This morning we continue to look at one of the witnesses of Christmas. Uh, last two weeks ago we looked at the prophecy through Zacharias of John the Baptist, and even today's verses can talk about his continuing uh, ministry. And then in the past year we had looked at Mary and the shepherds and the wise men, also uh, the stepfather Joseph. But for this morning, what of Christ's heavenly father? Now we're very, we're very versed in what happened in his birth, about the situation of Mary and Joseph and the manger and no room in the inn and Herod. But what was going on in heaven? What does Scripture share with us, especially here in John's Gospel, about the Heavenly Father, but also what is it the Heavenly Father does not want us to miss about His Son at Christmas? So we're going to be looking in John 3 this morning, and just walking through that, starting at verse 35 there, we, we certainly see about the Father something we cannot miss, and that is His love for His Son Jesus. You just can't miss his love in this gospel. You see it here in verse 35, the Father loves the Son, but then you see it again in 520. You see it again in 1017. You see it again in 1723. Over and over again, we have this witness that the Father loves his Son. It's a great word for us who are parents or, or great parents who, or who, who are stand as mentors to our confirmants or the way that we as church family love the children and students of our church that they would know and be able to say without a shadow of a doubt, you know what, I am loved. I know that I am loved. It's a good word. Yes, everybody needs truth. Everybody needs discipline. But what a great word from Jesus through the Gospels is a word for who we're to be. Those in our lives, our spouses, our friends, even our co-workers, those in our neighborhood, that they would know, you know what? That person loves me. Jesus is so confident that you see it popping up over and over and over. What a good word and also a, a teaching word for us that those in our lives would be able to say that about us. And look what happens if you were, you don't have to go there this morning, but 1421, Jesus gives that love right back. And you see it elsewhere. That's not the only place. I will love him. It's almost embarrassing, uh, all this talk of love between the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father. There was a a commercial years ago, you will remember, I won't bring up the nature of that commercial that ended with, I love you, man. Y'all remember those commercials, right? All this talk, it's just, look, my, I've told you before, my dad was a coach and his dad was a coach. There just wasn't mushiness there, all right? To be able to, to I'll give you an example, and I've told a few of this privately, but I'll go ahead and tell you, my father, when I was a freshman, my father was a high school football coach, he called up two or three freshmen to practice with the high school team, and I was one of those two or three freshmen. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, coach thinks a lot about me, dad thinks a lot about me to bring me up to play with the big boys. I must be something. I was on the second team offense to play against the number one defense, you're right, so kind of the scrub offense to get the number one defense in shape. And I can't tell you how many times he, my dad would call my number. He would walk over to the huddle and say, let's do 80 quick pass to mail. 
let's do 80 quick pass or let's do 80 and out whatever it might be constantly calling my number and I was just I don't know I was kind of prideful about that I mean I was getting beat up I was getting torn up but didn't matter dad was affirming me I didn't find out till after the season that I was told by players on the number one defense after the season was over that my dad would come in the offense and say let's call 80 quick pass to Barry on two and then he would walk over to the defense we're calling 80 quick pass to Barry it's gonna be on two who does that <laughs> so there was not mushy stuff he was trying to get me to grow up I guess uh, you know this how do you look each other in the eye and say I love you and to hear that word back I love you maybe that's difficult maybe of us some of us have issues I don't with my dad uh, but maybe of us, some of us do have issues with dads or moms or brothers, and it's hard to do that. In John's gospel, Jesus does not want you to miss this. The Father does not want you to miss this. His love for Jesus, Jesus' love for him, and their love for you. It can be difficult, I get it, with the I love you. I bumped into one of my former students about a year ago at a retreat, going through a horrible time of... Uh, with addiction and coming out of that we saw each other it had been 20 years since he had been in my youth group what's the first words out of his mouth I love you Barry <laughs> I love you same thing if you watch the 3030 uh, for Jim Valvano right North Carolina State he eventually gets kicked out of North Carolina State after they had won a national championship because of some recruiting violations or whatever. He's kind of banned from the school. They finally bring him back to celebrate that victory 10, 20 years later, whatever it was, right before he died of cancer. And he said he went up and down the line to see his former players. And what is it they said to each other over and over again? These men of the court, these guys who ruled the world in basketball. Love you, coach. I love you, son. And that's, that's what you get all over this gospel. It's the father saying one, two, three, four times, making sure his son knows of his love and his son being confident so he can, he can testify to that and report that, that the father loves the son. And then this word that Jesus loves his father. And that, that reminds us of the second point then. It's his love for us that drives Christmas. Yes, don't miss, the Father loves the Son, but in 3.16, we're reminded that the Father loves us. This is a homework assignment if you ever want to take it up. Just go search how many times you see the word sent in John's Gospel. It's over, and it's over, and it's over. Jesus comes, yes, because he desires to save us. But understand this, Christmas is in the heart of the Father. Over and over again in John's Gospel, we see that Jesus was sent it was in the heart of the father that you and i might know his love and come back into his love john 3 17 4 34 5 24 and i'll let you do the rest of the homework he is the sent son of god it's just like god because he loves us and to reach for us to offer his son i've heard Corey say this a few weeks ago at the student pinnacle meeting i've heard my sunday school say it a teacher say it about four to five months ago about Abraham and Isaac up on the mountain in Mount Moriah, basically Jerusalem, the mountain range of Jerusalem, where Abraham is to offer his son, and yet there's a ram in the thicket. At that place, God says, you know, you don't kill your son. But in that moment, the father knows what's going to happen on that very mountain years later. It will be his 
Son, the very sent Son for us. That's the gifting and love of God for us, that He would gift us His only child. Why? Because there are other children to find, and there are other children to recover. That's the love of God for us. Amazing grace, amazing love, or as John says, for God so loved the world. It's a beautiful picture of his love for us. And then also we see here too, and sometimes we can, we can struggle with this, but there's this reminder sometimes, and we're going to talk about it some next semester, We've got uh, two Old Testament professors who will be with us for revival and for another special event. But you've seen it even in pop culture today, how we try to disconnect or pull back, sadly, from the Old Testament. You miss that. You miss, you miss our need for a Savior. You miss all of God's plans and his sovereignty. Um, but Jesus says very clearly in John's gospel to us that I and the Father, we are what? We're one. Sometimes we can pull back and say, oh, that God of the Old Testament. Jesus says we are one. So even though we get this picture of God's love, we also get this picture that we need saving. And we see here that, that God is serious about sin, but so is uh, Jesus, that he loves us so much that he would come to pay for our sin, uh, to stand in the gap for us. It's a picture of God's grace, but also of, of, of his love for us. And then this other, if you're following in your notes, this second half. The Father wants to make sure, though, that we understand some things about His Son. And as we see these, we, these are critical things for us not only to see, but these are things with which we need to respond. First is this reminder again that Jesus is a promise keeper. You see that in chapter 3, 32 and 34. And I know that I share that a lot but it keeps coming up a lot. Even in, this, even in these passages after Christmas, you find at least two different prophecies that are fulfilled in Christ. He brings up two different prophets to show again that Jesus has fulfilled what the Father has promised. And you and I know that. We live in a culture, whether it's corporations, whether it's this, whether it's that, we live in a world where people, people just don't live out the vows and the promises that they make nobody keeps their promises and here we get this word from john that jesus christ at the very beginning jesus is the word and he always keeps his word even in his birth as you go through your advent readings you're probably bumping into scripture after scripture prophecy after prophecy of how jesus fulfilled word after word after word every i is dotted every t is crossed because he is a promise fulfiller he is a promise keeper and he fulfills the word and whatever word he has given to you whatever task he has given you to do whatever work he wants to do in you if he's given that to you he will fulfill it and make it come to pass he's a promise keeper his father's a promise maker and his son is a promise keeper it's a great reminder here in scripture that jesus is the word and he keeps his word i saw a coffee cup this week then on the side of it it said um, and I want to read this I wrote it down so I get this right if a man says he will fix something he will you don't need to keep reminding him about it every six months <laughs> look if you say you're gonna do it do it dads and husbands right 
the things we said we were going to do, we'll get around to. And what we see, and the Father won't let us miss this in John chapter 3 and elsewhere, Jesus, no matter how painful, no matter how gut-wrenching, every promise, hundreds upon hundreds, every promise fulfilled. Because he is a promise keeper. Every vow, every promise, every word, because in the beginning was the word. And he keeps that word. There's a word there for us in that. How is it that we're known by that? Because when you and I do that well, we give glory to the one. Look, you want to tell somebody about Jesus and not keep your word? You have just muddied the water for Jesus. To be a Christian and to fall down over and over, we're human, but to routinely fall down over and over again on covenants and on vows and on words and then try to talk about him? Jesus is the word. And every promise is kept. And then in 3.17, we not only are shown that he is a promise keeper, but this reminder again is the obedience of Christ, that Jesus is obedient. He is faithful. When it says Jesus is sent, Jesus then says yes. Now that's been Jesus' heart. But again, Christmas starts in the heart of God, in the heart of the Father who desires to send the Son for us. And Jesus is obedient to that and says yes. It's here. It's also, it's wrapped up in John 5.30, if you want to write that down. It's wrapped up in that verse where the last phrase of John 5.30 reminds us at the end of that, here's why I live. I seek to please the one who sent me. That's why. Now, it's not all of it because he loves you. Jesus came out of love for you. But this is a reminder again that if the Father says go, Jesus goes. Jesus is obedient to the Father's will that he be sent. We see that played out in the Garden of Gethsemane. Of course it's Jesus' heart. His flesh is crying out, knowing what's going to be on him for us. Jesus is never deterred from the cross. But it's a real struggle. But in that struggle we see the same thing. Whatever is your will, I will never miss that. Why? John 5.30. Everything about me, every part of my life, is going to be wrapped up in pleasing you. Anybody ever have a pressure to please people? Anybody ever struggle with people pleasing? Anybody ever struggle to impress other people? Look, I'm colorblind, and somebody just told me when I walked in this morning that my tie's blue, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm wearing purple today. I'm going to hear about it. I got a blue tie and purple. Don't bring that up. But that's what, you have this pressure, right? Anybody have a, I'm going to get personal here. Anybody feel the pressure to have a perfect Christmas this year? To please family, and some of them are, is this a word, unpleasable? <laughs> I'll look that up. They cannot easily be pleased. You feel that unbearable pressure to have the perfect Christmas? Everything perfect, the meal perfect, the picture perfect, the presents perfect, perfect. And Jesus says, I'm wrapped up in one thing. I want to please my Father. We live by that, Christmas will be okay. We live by that, our relationships with people may not always be easy, but they're going to be right. They're going to be holy. They're going to be life-giving. If I'm wrapped up in pleasing my heavenly Father. That's what Jesus did. From the point of a lowly birth, 
to stepping out of heaven and the glory that he had, it's because he was obedient due to his life of pleasing his Father. And then this last one, and it's a reminder to us as well, John 3, 17, uh, that Jesus is sent. We've already brought that up some, but it's a good reminder to us in 317 that Jesus is not only obedient to be sent, but this reminder from the Father that Jesus is to be understood as the sent Son of God. He is not a guru. He is not a teacher. He is not a political revolutionary from that backwood Nazareth. But he is the very sent Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he will only come to us in that way. He will not just come as teacher. You will miss him. He will not just come as someone who wants to shake up how we do life. And, and, and that has to happen. But you'll miss him. He has to come through as the Son of God. That's John's even testimony to us. No one comes to the Father but through Christ. If you had known me, Jesus says, you would have known my Father. I've said it before, but I love Lutzer's quote. I think it's from the trivialization of God, but Erwin Lutzer says, what a pity to know Shakespeare, but not as a man of literature. What a pity to know Newton, but not as a scientist, but what an eternal tragedy to know Christ as friend and as prophet and as miracle worker, but not as Savior. John is reminding us Jesus is the sent Son of God, given to us, that as Renee said this morning, that we might have life and life eternal, and we cannot miss that in him. And listen, this is just like the fathers. We're talking about him this morning. Not only is he so good to send us the Son, but later in John, you'll hear Jesus talking about in John 14 and elsewhere, he's so good that he sends them the Spirit. But it's just like God did not stop with that. Uh, now he is sending us. As he has sent his Son, now he sends his sons and his daughters. I've said it before, more people come to saving faith just through people who will share their faith. People who will wait for that opportunity. We're going to be starting this, I think, January 9th. We're going to be starting a series on how to share our faith. Uh, because that's how the Father typically works, is through the people of God who will say, I want to please you, I want to be obedient to you, I'm going to keep my word, and if you'll send me, I'll share it. Um, praise be to the Father who gives his Son to us. I would close with Joseph Bailey as he he attempts to speak of the Father's great love for us and, again, the Father's love for us at Christmas. It's a poem entitled, Praise Him in My Heart. Praise God for Christmas. Praise Him for the incarnation, for word made flesh. I will not sing of shepherds watching flocks or frosty night or angel uh, choirs. I will not sing of stables bare in Bethlehem or lowing oxen or wise men trailing different, uh, distant star with gold and frankincense and myrrh. Tonight I will sing praise to the Father who stood on heaven's threshold and said farewell to his son as he stepped across the stars to Bethlehem and Jerusalem. I will sing praise to an infinite eternal son who became finite a baby 
who would one day be executed for my crimes. Praise him in the heavens. Praise him in the stable. Praise him in my heart. How is it you and I need to hear this word again to give praise to God because of his great love for his son? And how is it you and I need to be better about offering that love to others, that it would be clear to them? How is it you and I need to be much more careful about how is it we live out our word? How is it and where is it? To who is it that God is sending you and you need to be faithful to go? Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we praise you as this morning we have seen so clearly in your word that you're a God of love, that you're a God of sending. Father, help us this morning to respond to this, your word, that your love would be evident in our lives, in our words, in our attitude. Father, that we would know Jesus Christ as your sent son, that, Father, our lives would be wrapped up in pleasing you. Father, we thank you for this word. And we pray you bless now our response to it in Christ's name. Amen.